I'm former Congressman Gary Franks. And I'm his son, Gary. I'm millennial. We're discussing everything from politics to sports and pop culture. From very different perspectives. We speak frankly. Now, yesterday, Gary, was the 57th anniversary of the March on Washington. And it was a beautiful, beautiful event. Now, granted, I only saw it from afar on TV. Tens of thousands of people were there and no disturbances whatsoever. Speeches given by family members of victims and others. It was a beautiful, beautiful event. Because we're not rioters. We don't get into that. That's 60 stuff. Now, some other people, rent a riot people, you know, they've, they've learned and maybe studied about how you riot and do that. Yeah, No, we don't do that. That's not typically what we do. Even when the young man was shot in the parking lot of Wendy's and they said, oh boy, someone burned up the Wendy's. Guess what? It wasn't a black person, it was a white lady. Okay, so that whole feeling of black people protesting and then all of a sudden someone getting out of it. No, no. And then what happened in Chicago? Yeah, they told everyone. Everyone drove in and, and decided to loop. So <laughs> I guess the police showed up maybe 15 minutes later. I don't know why, but, you know, so they showed up a little late and they just had fun. You know, so that was that that's a whole different situation. And I've said before, I know I'm, I'm well over the place today, but a little, a little bit upset because of number of things that have happened in the last, just in the last couple of days, Gary, with the Blake situation, that man who got shot seven times. I've asked me people on social media and I've, I have not gotten an answer. I don't know why. I'm, I'm just scratching my head because I think that all these geniuses on social media will have a response to this one simple question. And that question was, Gary, let's see the long list of black police officers who have killed or seriously injured an unarmed black person or white person. I've well, the answer is none. Yeah. I've, I've yet to see a list. I've yet to see anyone show anybody. Oh, they'll show people who are gangsters, the people who are drug addicts. They'll show that. Oh, my person did this. Yeah, they'll show that. We're not talking about that, idiots. We're talking about police officers. Are they getting the proper training? Well, either black people are extremely smart and they are getting proper training and other people are not, white people are not, or there's a bigger problem because black police officers are not doing what white police officers are doing, period. Now that begs for maybe community policing, but that's, you know, I've always talked about community policing and maybe if, if blacks had a chance to have more pl black police officers in their area, you know, maybe th three blacks, one white police officer, you go into a black area. If an area is more white, one, you know, it could be the, the, the inverse of that. Who knows, that could be a simple solution because we already know that black police officers do not seriously arm or kill black boys or white boys who are unarmed. We know that for a fact. Well, I want so to talk about that simple, for a minute. Very simple interrupt? solution. Because you actually mm -hmm. said something that's very interesting. We talk about community policing. And I've actually had the same thought and idea with that, except when you flip it on its head a little bit and you have, what you the celebrity, for example, right? Pick any black celebrity. You know, let's use Chris Rock, right, for example, right? If he's driving a really, really nice car in a really nice neighborhood, uh, and you didn't know that his name was Chris Rock, the chances of them pulling that person over, I feel like, is a lot higher. Even though policing, you're doing it by the community, and there may be more white people, you know, white police officers in that area because 
the oh, majority of the area is white. I see your point. It could so be a reverse flip, and now you have an issue where now a black person who's in a really nice area, he's uncomfortable now just because of what you just did by community policing. Garrett, that's an excellent point. That's an excellent point. But what are the choice we have, though? So we do want to have neighborhoods that are desegregated. We do not want to have all black neighborhoods and all white neighborhoods. You're absolutely right. But just keeping in mind that most of the crime that we have, you'll find that are in certain urban areas and you don't find a lot of crime in, in certain zip codes that have, have wealth. And just, you just don't see it. I mean, that's, that's a scientific study. If you look at certain zip codes and people making over a certain amount of money, they are not into gangs. You know, just simple as that. They're making 100, 200,000. They don't do that. And so in certain neighborhoods, you just don't even see police officers, quite frankly. You very rarely see them. And the need is not really there. And granted, there could be Black people who live in that area as well. And that's, that, that's what we want. We want Blacks to be able to live in all areas. Uh, ultimately, Gary, that's the epitome of what we're, what we're seeking. But where there is a high density of crime, whether it's crime because or poverty or, and or crime simply because of the fact that in some areas it could be it could be heavily Hispanic. It may not be black at all, maybe heavily Hispanic, it may be heavily black, it may be heavily heavily white, it could be 50-50 or whatever. I believe that more black police officers would be a plus. Not that it would be like four police officers and all of them coming there are black. No, I'm not saying that. But if you have a situation where maybe two of the four are black, that would make a difference. Because those two black police officers are saying, hey, Bob, hey, hold, hold up here, Bob. Bob, hey, hey, that's enough. I think he's fine. Yeah, I think we got him. You know, And so I, I just think it offers a little more balance. And, and that's that's what I think would be definitely helpful because as you look at all of these situations, you don't see us as police officers. <laughs> and that's, and that, that seems to be a common thread. Now you could say, hey, what happened with the guy up in Baltimore who was put in a paddy wagon and came out dead? There were black police officers there. Well, we really don't know what happened there. We know that it wasn't good. We know that potentially he was not buckled up. But you know, unfortunately, there's no camera. We don't know. We don't know. But as far as being killed or being shot, if you're an unarmed person or, or seriously injured, you just don't see that when it's, when it's a black officer involved. I'm not saying that it's never happened. I just gave you one example that you can say, hey, that was kind of like that. Yeah, there's probably certain examples of that, but nothing like what we have seen with uh, white police officers. And we're trying to play a numbers game here. We're trying to see how we can mitigate the situation. Are we going to make it perfect? No, but can we make it better? Yes. And this definitely, from a sociologist perspective, and that's what I have my degree in, this would definitely be an answer. If you see something that is predominant with these factors, remove those some of those factors, and maybe the situation will change dramatically. Plus, Gary, if you have a police department that's more reflective of the of the community, it's it's just better. You have a greater sense of trust. And guess what? If you have individuals of color working in certain areas, there's greater bond potentially. There's a lot of positive things that could come out of that. And quite frankly, it's not a secret. It's community policing has been talked about many years ago when we were going through similar situations during the Obama administration. Police community policing was talked about a great deal. I remember being on a radio show in NPR. And the guy asked me, that was in 2016 or so, he asked me and I said, community policing. And it's been talked about for, for quite some time. 
but it doesn't seem to be the case in so many instances. Now you could say, well, you know, Minneapolis is a little different, uh, you know, not that many black people in Minneapolis, but somehow we can look at trying to have some minority, some black police officers involved in policing of areas that are predominantly black when you can. Which convention did you prefer? You know, what okay. style of the convention did you prefer? Because okay. they're both two different styles. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, Gary, definitely they took a different approach, Gary, and, and I respect both of their approaches. However, I, um, I hate to be partisan about it, but I prefer people who would uh, give live speeches. I think that it just feels more authentic. I'm not a fan of tape-recorded speeches. I, I just doesn't mean that much to me to see someone that who taped something like two weeks ago and put it on. I just it doesn't feel right. I would have preferred to to have had a, even a small audience because, as I've said in the past, Gary, the whole idea of a crowd is not really the number of people; it's the size of the room. In other words. If you have a room, and they did this when they were at the White House, it looked like there were thousands of people when President Trump gave his speech. Why? Because the place probably held about 1,500 people, but and they had 2,000 people or so. So it looked like, you know, like it was thousands of people. So it's, it's, it's the number of people per the size of the room. So I would have preferred to have had more live speeches versus the ones that the Democrats did. I, I did not like that, that approach. I also personally like to hear more from regular individuals. I'm not into movie stars, you know, getting into that lane and, and, and getting involved. That doesn't mean anything to me. I, I'd rather hear life stories of just average Americans. So that's another thing that would give the Republicans more of a bounce. I shouldn't say bounce, more of a positive. We don't know about the bounce yet, Gary. We did talk about that in the prior episode. It's right. a little bit too soon to be able to see how, how that would pan out. But let's, let's suffice it to say that Joe Biden talked about right after his convention that he was asked whether or not he was going to continue to campaign out of his basement. And he said, oh, yeah, I'm winning. You know, everything's going great. Well, he's out of his basement. Tomorrow he's out. So that tells that's a big story. Now, they don't they want to play it down. But first he came out and said, hey, I'm getting out of my basement after Labor Day. And then all of a sudden now he's getting out tomorrow. So, <laughs> so <laughs> it tells me that the old panic button has been hit. And they've seen what everyone else would be feeling, and that is this race is going to be extremely, extremely tight. And you always have a silent group of people that really tell the tale of the election. And back in the day, it was Nixon and Reagan and talk about the silent majority, et cetera. And today, in that 2012 election, no one ever thought Black people were going to come out at a higher percentage than they did in 2008. Well, guess what? They did. They came out more in 2012 than 2008, but no, it was silent. It was pretty quiet. And and that is what uh, I think both sides are, are very suspicious of, whether or not there's a silent group of people out there that are either not telling the pollsters how they really feel or just being quiet about the whole situation. And you have a surprise. You know, Hillary Clinton was hit with that in, in 2016. And speaking of Hillary Clinton, I, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't make this statement because I think it's very sad that a former presidential candidate, former secretary of state, and a former senator would say after the election, if Biden loses, which ne they never talked about him losing before, which I thought was kind of interesting to begin with, don't concede. 
which is absolutely wait for days to be conceived. That's you don't even know what the vote total is going to be. So why, why are you why are you saying don't concede when he could be he could have been shellacked in every state? Don't concede. I mean, it's so irresponsible to do something that we've never had the experience of before, and that is people not being able to accept the election result. And obviously, Miss Clinton has had a problem with that. She talks about her how she won by three million votes and is not president. Yeah, that's true, but that's the system. So get over it and forget about it and move forward. And believe me, the nation has. And so going back to your original question, Gary, the conventions were quite different in the way that they structured themselves. I don't think a lot of Americans looked at either one of them, quite frankly. (laughs) But whether or not they're going to get a bounce, either party, we will see soon because there are polls being done as we're talking. Now, on the Republican side, their hands aren't clean either. Yeah, so I'm going to be a little critical of the Republicans because I think it's totally ridiculous to take what I said back several, 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 several weeks ago and make that the whole cornerstone of your campaign. I, yes, I did say that what's happening in Seattle, that Biden should speak up, that Biden should get involved, that Biden should call the mayor, that Biden should call the governor and say, get this thing fixed and let's take back our city. But that was totally different because they had secured part of the city of Seattle. They had blanketed off the whole part of the city, including the police station, I believe, and one of the precincts, and no one was doing anything about it. That was absolutely ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. But to look at the outbreaks in Portland, Seattle, and I guess some other places as the cornerstone of the campaign is also not right. You know, well, this is not 1968. You know, this is, it's, it's so boring. It looks like rent a riot. You know, it's like, okay. I see through it, so I don't know if other people see through it, but the bottom line of it is, why? You don't have to. What the president has done, he has a record. He has a record that I think that he could be extremely proud of. Tell the people your record and tell the people what you want to do in the future. Joe Biden can't do that. He's been there for 47 years, doesn't have a record that he should be proud of. He's been on the wrong side of everything. NAFTA, wrong side. The, the crime bill, wrong side. And just go on and on. And then the, the, don't forget about all the times he's asked for mulligans. I mean, every every other day he's asking for a mulligan because he says something that's totally, totally embarrassing, not only to himself, but the entire party. Um, black people, if you don't vote for me, you're not black. You know, so this, it's you don't have to do that. His statement of, I'm going to raise your taxes, that's enough right there. Okay, in the campaign, all over. Mm-hmm. No one wants to have more money taken out of their pockets from Uncle Sam for the purposes in which many of the Democrats are talking about. So there's absolutely no need. Now, I'm glad that no one, no one, and I'm very pleased about this, has not taken my advice about not attacking Kamala Harris. There's no need. You're not running against her. There's absolutely no need. When you got Joe Biden as a target, perfect target. Now, in a future episode, Gary, we're going to talk about the debates. And I'm telling you, for the Speaker of the House to come out and say, you know, Joe Biden should not debate. I have never heard that in the history of uh, maybe I think the last president who didn't debate. Yeah, it's probably Nixon. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, because he had a, such a large lead. He was thought of as being, oh, what difference does this make? He's running against McGovern. And sure enough, he won like 49 out of 50 states. And then he got impeached. Was on the verge of getting impeached. But bottom line of it is we have debates in America. For the Speaker of the House, the only person who benefits from a crazy election because she would become president on January 20th, for that person to say that the Democrat candidate shouldn't have a debate, you guys picked him, okay? 
Yeah, he was in fifth place, barely registering anywhere. And then an 80-year-old, near 80-year-old, plucked him up and put him on the stage, and all of a sudden he's your candidate. But he has to be able to do things. He has to be able to go and meet people. I don't care if he has a mask on. I don't. He has to do that. That's what all of the 45 presidents, we, that's what you got to do, okay? Make it safe, but you got to do it. And if you don't do it, you're going to lose. I think you're going to lose anyhow, but the bottom line of it is you will definitely get slaughtered because America is not going to go for anyone who's not working their butt off. If you want to sit on your, you know what, in your basement and run your whole campaign, believe me, Americans are going to respond accordingly. Not your Democrat base. They don't have nowhere to go. But the people who are on the side, the unaffiliated voters, they don't respect that laziness. You know, so the violence campaign or fighting, you know, wanting to stop violence is not, is, is just so old for me. But, um, you know, I, I hope that they, both sides will start to talk about what their records would be, what they've done, and what they plan to do to make life better for America, should they be reelected or elected for the next four years. That is what people want want to hear. And if we have to wait until the debates to get to that point where those questions are answered, so be it. But, but and when that if, when that happens, when that start when that would start to happen, which I think is September 29th, you know, bottom line of it is Biden's gonna have to answer those questions. I think we all know the answers to many of those questions for President Trump and the, most Americans I feel would be uh would, would lean the same way. I don't think that most Americans would like to 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 um, to treat people who are here illegally the same as people who are here illegally. And to me, that's a kind of a no brainer. <laughs> so, but you know, obviously there are a lot of issues to be discussed, and that's what a debate would do. We're going to talk about also Gary later. You know, what how you prepare for a debate. That'll be in another episode, an upcoming episode. In fact. Following three terms on the city council and three terms in Congress, former Congressman Gary Franks's consulting firm has helped scores of companies, large Fortune 500 firms, small businesses, and even startup companies secure millions of dollars in federal government contracts and international business opportunities. Congressman Franks, a Yale grad, author, Fortune 500 executive, and former visiting professor at Georgetown University, UVA, and Hampton University will use his knowledge, experience, relationships, and strategic plan model to help you reach that next level of success. Schedule your participation in an upcoming webinar to learn just how Congressman Franks can help you. For more information, email gary at garyfranks.org now. So dad, do you think the Republicans made any mistakes during their convention? Well, post-convention, Gary, people were saying, at least some Republicans were saying, oh, more violence helps President Trump because he will be able to play a better role in ending the violence. And I, once again, just like I was angry with the Democrats who seem to be saying, if COVID gets out of control, it means Joe Biden's the next president. I also am offended by people who would say, if there's more violence in America, Donald Trump would be reelected. I think both are just false statements as far as remedies or solutions or tactics or paths to the White House. They should not be. It should be based on their vision, their past record, what they plan to do in the next four years versus trying to scare people into voting for them. That's not what I hope to see. And I don't believe we're going to see that. I believe that the American people are looking forward to the debates. In fact, I wish that they started yesterday. 
because the, we, we need to know how these individuals will handle the responsibility of being president and how they are different. And so, who knows, in some areas they may be the same and so that we can make the right decision. I mean, I think it's very funny and interesting that both the mistakes that the Republicans and Democrats made during their convention are both things that they couldn't have fixed if the shoe was on the other foot. And what I mean is, is with the police issue that's going on, the Democrats wouldn't be able to fix it. I'm sorry, the Republicans would not be able to fix it. And when it comes to COVID, there's nothing that the Democrats really could have done that could have changed this scenario. No, you're right, Gary. That's why it's it's an argument. These are both arguments that really um, we shouldn't be having. <laughs> and so for both conventions to focus on items or issues that on these two major, these issues, two issues, when the whole violence in our cities that's happening would be the number one primary responsibility of the mayor and the secondary responsibility of the governor. So if it ever gets to the level where it has to be done by the federal government, it's really bad. And I, I haven't seen anything like that since I was in office when we had the uh, Rodney King situation where there were a number of people were, were, were killed during those riots. These little things are rent a riot because there's nothing, there's the little skirmishes that make great photo ops, put it on TV. You know, so I, people have you know, seen that. It's just like years ago, I, mean, I remember talking to civil rights leaders and they would say well you know when we had these riots and we, not riots when we had these protests and we, we made it look like it was a lot of people there but really it's not like a couple hundred people but it looked like it was a lot of people you know so it, it's it's just the way it's positioned you know you can make something look a lot worse than what it really is and with the exception of what happened in portland recently when that's not good when people are driving in and, and shooting that's not a good thing and also what we saw in charlottesville which is basically white people against white people, different factions. That was not a good thing either. And the person lost their life there when that man drove over a lady. So you don't want to see any of that. But the other is something that, you know, in the night you can infiltrate someone else's group and make it look like you're part of their group. That's been done for, that, that's not any secret. That people do that all, that's, that's rent a riot. We've seen that, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't cost much money to get people to do that and to look the other way and all that. That's, that's nonsense. So why, why deal with that as an issue? when it's not an issue. And we all know it's not an issue. And COVID, we're doing everything we can. The president is, the vice president is, everybody in the country is doing everything they can to, to, to get over this situation. So it's not a situation where you can point fingers at anyone for doing anything wrong with everyone. There's no one who knew how to handle this. <laughs> if we did, if anyone in the world did, we wouldn't be happy, we wouldn't have this pandemic, right? If anyone in the world knew how to deal with this thing from the onset, we would not be in the situation. The world would not be in the situation that we're in today. And we should be thankful that it's not a whole lot worse. And we should be extremely thankful instead of complaining constantly about, well, it's getting better, but, you know, no, we should be very thankful that no one went without a ventilator. We should be very thankful that we have all the masks you can ever use. We should be very thankful that no one did not go without a bed in the hospital. We should be very thankful that our system did work and from so many perspectives versus nitpicking over things that Joe Biden's talking about. And the Democrats, what, what kills me about Democrats, if you go through the history of Democrats, especially over the last 30 years, the word that they love to use more than anything else, there's two words I like to use more than anything else, Gary. One is plan. I have a plan. I have a plan. What the hell is your plan? Who in the hell cares about your plan? Let's see. Action. Plan means 
you know where home plate is. Do you ever get the first base? No, you never do, but you fight. That's the second word the Democrats are really good at. We fight, we fight. They don't have any results, but they fight, they fight, they fight. They lose, they lose, they lose. And they wonder why that's the case. So I wrote out bed, Gary, that should come out soon and, and it will tell people why I'm a black Republican. And, and one of the main parts of it is just the damn track record of the Democrats. I mean, it is so bad and when, when it comes to black people. And the problem is most people hear all these things, they're going to say, oh, yeah, that's true. Oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah, that's right. So, but that's for another day. So, Gary, I told you what I felt about the convention. What do you think? What did you, what did you think about the convention? I prefer the Republican convention more than the Democrat convention. But I also feel like the Republicans learned and their staff learned from the Democrat convention of what not to do and what to do. And they realized that not having a crowd looked weird. It just didn't feel right. They definitely should have been masked. It would have been nice if they would have mentioned that these people were tested and they didn't have COVID. What it looks like is that they're playing right into the Democrats' hands of, hey, you know, they're not taking this, you know, very seriously. You know, I, I do kind of lean on the side of people kind of making their own decision on that. And I know that... Um... It's different for all people if you're over a certain age and if you have underlying health conditions, you know, you shouldn't do certain things. But you know, I look at the city of New York, you know, they, they did everything. I think they did a lot of good things. And now their incidents are minuscule at this point. So and I think that from every perspective, it's looking as though, with the exception of the college campus in the crowd, it, it seems to be going in the right direction. It seems to be going down. But to to um, to say whether or not um, the crowd should have had masks, I, and I didn't see everyone with a mask at the March on Washington event either. But would I prefer people to have masks on? Yes. Do I wear one? Yes. But it's really hard. It's really hard. The people they chose to speak a lot better, in my opinion, than the Democrats. And I also felt like the Democrats on convention overall, I just felt like it was kind of dry when you look back on it. You know, I think they had some positives, obviously. I actually didn't mind the celebrities being involved in it, as long as they didn't tell each other actual policies or what they believe in, which I don't care about. I actually liked that they actually used them because they have them. It's using what you have, you know, as you know, to your advantage. But I didn't like the fact that no one talked about any policies or spoke about any policies that actually would want me to vote for this individual. The unfortunate part of what the Democrats are looking at, all of the issues that they have to talk about, if Biden takes one side of a particular issue, he divides his own party. Because if he does not say the right thing in certain debates or in certain forums, he will lose the entire AOC, Bernie Sanders wing of the party. If he says certain things to embrace the Bernie Sanders and AOC side of the party, he will lose all the moderate Democrats and not have a prayer of a chance of picking up any independents. So that is why the Democrats do not want to talk about issues because as soon as they start talking about issues, they divide their own party. And their major problem right now is enthusiasm. It was their problem from the beginning. They picked a person who will make you not feel enthusiastic. And Joe Biden, when they had a whole group of other people they could have selected that would have been candidates who naturally were more charismatic and would have been more exciting than the 47-year politician. It's just hard to get enthusiasm for a person who's getting ready to turn 80 years old during this term. And 
has been there for 47 years with nothing to show for it. It's just very hard to get enthusiasm for anything like any person like that. So Jack, can you give another example? Well, our climate change is a big one. You know, you have the Green New Deal, which is something that AOC has promoted and has been talk, talking about for, well, ever since he's been in Congress, um, all of one term. And that one, he's either side. He loses people. If he goes against the fossil fuel industry and oil, the oil industry, he loses the state of Pennsylvania. Just write it right off. State that he was born in, write it off. If he joins the oil company side, he loses the entire Green New Deal people, the Bernie Sanders people, the AOC people. And upon losing them, the little enthusiasm people have for the Democrat Party, he just lost them. Because that side was the side that had people excited. It was Bernie Sanders who was drawing thousands of people. It was Joe Biden who couldn't fill a bowling alley. So the bottom line of it is, He's caught between a rock and a hard place. So that is why he decided to go with COVID-19. <laughs> so doesn't work, though, Joe. Doesn't work. Don't forget to subscribe.